Hello everyone. Uh, today is not a technical episode, so we don't really have an episode number. It's more of like a special topic. But of course, I am your host, Sarah, and with me is my uh, lovely magician's assistant, Dan. G'day. Australian today. Hi. Okay. All right. Making our way around the world. Sounds good. In episode five, we discussed uh, Chanel Miller and the Stanford rape case. And in that episode, we provided information regarding Title IX and what Stanford's Title IX office and regulations entailed. As of just a few days ago, Title IX has become big news again because Betsy DeVos, the United States Secretary of Education, and I put that in quotes mm. because, yeah, uh, she has decided to completely overhaul these federal regulations, which will now make it more difficult to seek justice if you are sexually harassed or abused during your college experience. And it doesn't just go for colleges. This goes for all institutions that are getting federal aid. But it's primarily colleges. You know, generally when we hear about this kind of stuff, it's usually college age. Um, you know, it happens in high schools as well. And, you know, it's very rare that it'll happen younger than that. It does. Um, because, of course, this also entails things um, like sexual harassment um, and other, you know, athletics th things, discrimination, whatever, that has to do with staff as well. So we can see it in other grade levels. But it's primarily, you know, we really we see it a lot more um, with college-age students. So a lot of what people talk about with Title IX really has to do with college um, more so than, than a lot of the other grades. To review, Title IX was enacted in 1972 under the Education Amendments Act, and it is a federal law that states, quote, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So any public or private education institution that receives federal funding must abide by the rules and regulations of Title IX. Discrimination under Title IX was extended to protect anyone who was sexually harassed or abused as well because for a long while, schools were forcing students who were coming forward with accusations to withdraw so the school's reputation would not be harmed. And we talked about that in, in right. the Chanel Miller right. um, the, episode. The grand old institution, you know? Yes, <laughs> exactly. We, yeah, they... they you know, again, we talked about this in, in that episode, but, you know, there's transparency now. There are, there are uh, regulations that say that, you know, a school has to put out their crime stats and, like, all of that stuff. Um, each school has to have a Title IX office. You know, all of those things. But, you know, before this was enacted, people were... I mean, people were coming forward. Hopefully they were coming forward with allegations and... The schools were saying, well, we don't want to do anything about that. We don't want to have that on a, tarnish our reputation. We don't want to have that on our conscience. So we're going right. to tell you to leave. Which is which is nuts because it's like if the thing already happened there, it technically is too late. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's too oh, late yes. to kick anybody out. But because of the way this world works and yep. the media works in this world and always has, 
if you just show, you know uh, brush the problem under the rug, it's like it never happened. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So during the Obama administration, the Education Department's Office of Civil Rights sent a 19-page document known now as the Dear Colleague Letter to colleges and universities. It read in part, quote, if a school knows or reasonably should know about student-on-student harassment that creates a hostile environment, Title IX requires the school to take immediate action to eliminate the harassment, prevent its recurrence, and address its effects. Through this standard, it was brought in to encompass sexual assault as well. However, on September 7th, 2017, that lovely woman, Betsy DeVos, began to roll back Obama-era regulations regarding Title IX. And only a few days ago, these rules were finalized. Schools have until August 14th, 2020, Yes, you heard that correctly, August of this year. So that's three months away. Mm-hmm. To alter all of their Title IX policies. And that will inevitably harm the student population. So not only is it going to harm the student population, which we'll get into what the changes are, but they have three months in this current climate right. of overhauling so many things because of this pandemic and people having to not be on campus anymore they now have to also figure out how to change these policies on campus right and like it's a pretty important policy extremely important so you know this isn't just like deciding like hey do we want to expand the teacher parking lot like no this is kind of a big deal this is not the kind of thing you can rush it's not the kind of thing you can rush and three months time isn't a lot period let alone right now with yeah. all the other things that they have to deal with yeah. um, during the pandemic. So it's it's kind of unbelievable that the other day they're just like, okay, these are going into effect and now you only have three months. Done. Do it. Yep. You, you, you couldn't wait. You couldn't give them an extension. You couldn't... Right. Uh, it, right. It's very disturbing. So here are the key points that you need to know about the new Title IX rules and regulations. So first, uh, these are some terms to know. There's the complainant. So according to the new rule, a complainant is an individual alleged to be the victim of conduct that could constitute sexual harassment, including sexual assault, dating violence, domestic violence, and stalking. So the complainant is the person bringing the accusation forward. Respondent. According to the new rule, A respondent is an individual who has been reported to be the perpetrator of conduct that could constitute sexual harassment. So the respondent is the accused. Right. Responding to the complainant. Correct. Parties, the complainant and the respondent, so those are the respective parties. Cross-examination, the direct questioning of a party or a witness by a party or their advisor. So these are all terms that we see in... Uh, civil uh, trials. Some of them we'll, we'll see in criminal trials as well, um, like cross-examination. We, you know, that happens. But like complainant, respondent, those are terms that we see a lot in um, in civil uh, civil suits. Um, Title Nine is a federal law that protects people from discrimination based on sex in educational programs. 
or activities that receive federal financial assistance, sexual harassment. Um, this is an umbrella term that captures a variety of prohibited conduct of a sexual nature, all of which may constitute sex discrimination under Title IX. It includes sexual assault, domestic violence, dating violence, stalking, and other offenses. The Network for uh, Victim Recovery of uh, DC um, states that you should be able to find your school's list and definitions in the Student Code of Conduct or in other Title IX documents. Um, and uh, let me say that most of the information that I'm going to be giving you while it's coming from the new Title IX regulations, it's um, information that I got from the NVRDC. Um, I'm going to post the pictures too because they put up like a really handy dandy um, chart of all the changes like super easy to see on their Instagram so it's really easy to, to get what's going on um, so I will post those also on our Instagram so that everybody can um, see them firsthand and just you know That's good. know what's what's actually happening visual aids are always helpful they help me <laughs> Um, and then the uh, last term is, is the advisor. So this is someone who supports and advises the complainant or respondent in accessing supportive measures and in navigating a university's grievance process. Both parties have the right to an advisor of their choosing who may be an attorney. Advisors will conduct cross-examination in live hearings under the new regulations. But wait till you hear who an advisor can be. Mm, it's going to be great. So, really quickly, we'll just go over the things that aren't changing because that's like the small portion. The things that are changing are the big portion. Right. So, uh, Title IX supportive measures. Um, so, the question is do the Title IX changes affect whether I can get accommodations from my school, such as moving dorms or rescheduling an exam, if I am sexually assaulted? So the NVRDC says what were previously called interim measures or accommodations are now called supportive measures. Supportive measures are tools schools are required to provide students following sexual violence in order for the students to feel safe and supported. Supportive measures must not unreasonably burden the respondent. These measures can include changing classes, rescheduling exams, etc. Survivors can still access these services without filing a formal complaint to the school under Title IX. Good, great. So they can still adjust what they need to have a more comfortable situation. Right. Perfect. Title IX advisors. So this uh, question is, who can my advisor be during the hearing? The Title IX rule still provides students with the right to an advisor of their choice. The advisor can be another student, an attorney, a counselor, or any other person the student chooses. Even if a student chooses not to have an advisor for the investigation, they must use an advisor to conduct cross-examination of the respondent and witnesses during the live hearing. This means a school will assign an advisor for students who do not pick their own for the purpose of conducting cross-examination. So it's kind of like, you know, public defense. Right. If you can't afford an attorney, one, one will be appointed for you. Exactly. So it's, it's that kind of thing. 
uh, inclusion of sexual assault, stalking, and intimate partner violence. So the question is, is sexual assault, stalking, and intimate partner violence considered sexual harassment? The new rule includes sexual assault, stalking, and intimate partner violence, referred to also as domestic violence and dating violence, as types of sexual harassment that school must investigate when they receive a formal complaint. So all of those things, anything that has to do with the potential of sexual violence is all under that umbrella term. Perfect. So those are the things that aren't changing. <laughs> the basic stuff. Yeah. The definitions. Pretty much. So now we'll get into what is changing. And it's a lot. Mm. Okay, so prior to 2020, schools were allowed to decide their own processes under Title IX as long as they were prompt and impartial. This required that schools create a process for determining the responsibility of a respondent and deciding who made that determination. Some schools chose to have investigators make that decision, some schools used hearing panels, and some used a mix of the two. All right, so the change. Now, higher education must have one, an investigation, and two, a live hearing. This means that a decision maker will hear from both parties and any witnesses will review the evidence and make a decision. This format is similar to a courthouse trial. However, students can choose an informal resolution instead of a hearing. Right, if you don't want to be put on the spot and mm -hmm. have to like go to court, basically, yeah. you don't have to. So it's not, not too bad. So when you say now, you mean the stuff that's, that's being, being repealed. Yes, exactly. So this rule is now what is in the new regulations that have to go into effect in August. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that was prior to 2020, schools were allowed to decide their own processes. Right. Now, in 2020, in this August overhaul, they have to go through... This courtroom process. This process. Right. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So, before... Prior guidance discouraged schools from allowing cross-examination. A big reason for this was the likelihood that cross-examination would cause further trauma to the survivor. Instead of cross-examination, many schools allowed parties to submit questions that the hearing panel would then ask the parties. Now, higher educational institutions are required to allow the advisor for each party to cross-examine the opposing party and all witnesses. This means the survivor will undergo cross-examination by the respondent's advisor. However, the respondent themselves will not be allowed to directly question the survivor. That makes sense. That would be horrible. That would be terrible. <laughs> but again, just wait till you hear who the advisor can be. So before... Previously, mediation or informal resolutions were discouraged by the Department of Education, but schools could choose to allow such methods of resolving sexual harassment complaints. Informal resolutions do not necessarily require the parties to ever speak to or be in the same room with each other. But I think I did mention in the, in the Chanel Miller case that one of the law professors had said that Stanford's policy was to get them in the room together. Right. 
their 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 old policy. You know, and I've always thought that that's ridiculous. Like that that the old uh, legal thing that um, you have to face your accuser. Like I've always thought that that was absurd. Yeah. Like if someone does something horrible to you, you have to show up and like you have to be a man and show up and like face them. Like, I, what if you don't want to face them? Right. Especially in the case of something like sexual assault, you don't want to face them. No. Why am I required to face them? It's already <laughs> a traumatizing experience. Yeah. Why do you want to go through that again? Right. Right. Like, what is this? Some kind of like ancient code of honor where like I have to be ready to duel this guy with a with a freaking club or a pitchfork or some BS? Yeah. Like, no. If somebody does something wrong to you and evidence is provided to prove that they did the wrong thing, yeah. they should be punished, whether I'm there to give them the finger or not. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. what kind of nonsense is that? I've the always thought that that was silly. The unfortunate thing is, in some in some cases, they might not have enough evidence, like, um, they might not have enough physical evidence to get a jury to convict. So they bring in the, the testimony of survivors you know, because that's the only evidence they have. Um, or sometimes they, you know, the police don't do their jobs well. And maybe they have evidence, but they didn't do it um, according to protocol. Mm -hmm. So it's stuff that has to be thrown out. So again, the only way to get a conviction is if you have testimony. Right. Of the person who's actually been perpetrated against. Right. So, you know, our legal system has a lot of a lot of flaws a lot of old school stupid nonsense yes. that really just doesn't make any just doesn't have any place in the 21st century yeah <laughs> so with that that was the before so now um schools can still choose to offer informal resolution processes but both parties must agree in writing that they wish to engage in the informal process instead of the school's formal grievance process schools must allow each party if they wish to withdraw from the informal process and resume the formal grievance process. So both of them have to agree at first if they don't want to go through the formal process, but at any time they can be like, no, I want to go through the formal process. Right. So like, what is the point right. of so that? Right, so like, I can, you know, if I've chosen, if I'm the respondent and I, you know, supposedly did something to you, mm -hmm. I can say, okay, yeah, let's do the informal thing, but then I could say, you know, you know what, forget that, she's she's going to do this to me, I'm going to drag her through the mud now. Right. And I'm allowed to do that? Yep. Come on. <laughs> right. Like, what's, yeah, the, what's the point of even going through that in the first place? Right. If all of a sudden you can change your mind. Right. You know, I mean, it sh if anything, it should be the opposite. It would be like if you have a, a, a civil suit against someone mm -hmm. and you decide to settle because mm -hmm. you don't want to go through the court thing. Yeah. So you decide. So you should be able to go from the formal process to the informal process. If both parties are like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to do this whole thing. Let's not drag this out. Let's just let's just do our things and get it over with, kind of. Right. But you shouldn't be able to start with the informal process and then go to the formal process. Exactly. Because the victim is never going to want the formal mm -hmm. process. Never. Because <laughs> sometimes for perpetrators, they enjoy oh, yeah. re-victimizing. 100%. So this could be a form of torture mm -hmm. that they're perpetrating against their their survivor again. Absolutely. It's... It's not a fair situation for someone who's accusing someone of sexual assault. And again, innocent until proven guilty. We understand that. That's, that's our due process in this country. And they have to take those steps through 
this process as well. But like we've said so many times, it is so rare for somebody to come forward with a false claim that they have been sexually harassed, sexually assaulted, whatever it is. So we have to believe those accusers and give them the benefit of the doubt and give them the fairness. Right. Especially like, like I always say in the beginning of the process, because even, you know, even though we know that the vast majority of the time, of the time, these are legitimate accusations, there will be some that will be false. There could be. Absolutely. You know, and so, yeah, we have to, we have to acknowledge that possibility, Mm -hmm. but that just has to come by the end of the process. By the end of the process, we have to be prepared to say, if this looks like it's not legitimate, then we'll deal with that. But in the beginning of the process, you have to start with the assumption that the accusation is true mm-hmm. and then work from there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, more things that are changing. <laughs> Schools used to be required to investigate allegation of se- uh, allegations of sexual harassment, including sexual violence, perpetrated by a student, regardless of where it occurred and even if it was off campus. So it used to be that if these were students or staff members of this institution and something happened, the school was supposed to look into it. It was supposed to go under Title IX. Right. Now, under Title IX regulations issued in May 2020, schools are not required to investigate sexual harassment that occurs outside of a school's program or activity. This means that a school is not required to investigate sexual harassment that happens off campus unless the location has a strong connection to the school, like an athletic field or housing of a university-sanctioned organization, so like a frat house or something like that. Schools are not required to investigate conduct that occurs in study abroad programs outside of the United States also. Oh, that's great. Just leave them out to dry. Yeah. However, schools can choose to investigate allegations of sexual harassment regardless of where they occurred. So they have the option. Right. How many schools do you think are actually going to take that option? How many schools do you think are going to be like, oh, yeah, we want people to know that this happened? Right. Right. None. Especially, especially if it's a staff member. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. If it's students, that's one thing. But if, like, a staff member perpetrated against a student or another staff member or... They... No way. Right. No way. Right. And it's crazy because it seems like, you know, these these seem like measures that are designed at, like, improving efficiency. So, like, let's play devil's advocate advocate here here for a second and say that your most higher uh, education institutions are like just being bogged down by this where they're having to like hire extra staff members and it's damaging their ability to educate students mm-hmm. you know and they're having to raise tuition uh, and and exclude people from attending the universities because they're having to put so much effort into into investigating all these mm-hmm. sexual assault claims then okay maybe maybe there's something to this streamlining the process but I very much doubt that any of those things are even close to true. No. I would bet that your average institution that has, let's say, 5,000 students probably gets maybe 10 complaints a semester, let's say. Yeah. I, I actually haven't looked up the statistics, and I, I should. Um, 
and uh, maybe I'll throw I'll look them up and I'll throw them in on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's not. Because I have it's a hard a time believing that they're getting bogged down. No. You know, because at the end of the day, the job of a higher education institution is to educate. Right. So if there's something in the way of education, if there's some kind of crazy red tape that's causing you again to not be able to educate then okay that that's that's an avenue that we should explore potentially streamlining right but i very very much doubt that that's the case agreed here. that in that universities are spending so much time investigating sexual assault allegations mm -hmm. that they just can't teach kids yeah come on uh, agreed 100 <laughs> percent. i mean comment below or whatever you do on these things let us know oh yeah 100 percent. you it. can you can definitely comment on the instagram and, and or you know <laughs> write a review on this episode whatever yeah. and talk to us about it because yeah. yeah we're we're inclined to believe that right. not many schools are gonna are are taking up that much time right. with these title nine right uh grievances uh, it's no you're absolutely right what bothers me about this new law um is that say you know okay my school there's a bunch of bars around it that's a lot of colleges have a bunch of bars around them anywhere in upstate new york <laughs> oh yes oh Whew, yes that's, upstate that's new york is all colleges and Buffalo bars is just <laughs> colleges and, and bars. bars um so Say I go out with a few of my friends, and say they're not even from the school. Say they're not even from the school. Whatever. We go into, you know, downtown, and we're hanging out at the bar. And there's a guy from one of my classes there, and he harasses me. He starts sexually harassing me. I can't bring, for bring that claim forward. Because my school has the option of telling right. me, no. Not our problem. It didn't happen on campus. Didn't happen on our property. That's not a, that's not a, a, a college sanctioned facility. Right. We're not, we're not worrying about it. Right. Right. So that's going to make, drive. that's going to make me feel like I can't come forward. Right. I can't speak about it. Right. And more importantly, it's going to make you feel like you can't go out anymore. You have to oh. be on school grounds all the time. Yes. Like some kind of prisoner. Right. Because that's the only place that you have the protection. Right. And then what's going to happen now, you know, if I'm saying that I don't even want to go forward to my school about it, what makes you think that these survivors are going to want to go forward and tell the police about it? Right. If your school's not even going to take right. you seriously, why do you think the police who have much bigger things to do right. are, are going to take you seriously? And if they hear your school was the first stop and, their, and the school was like, no, it didn't happen, we're not even worrying about it, right. the police are going to be like, eh, we might not want to look into this any further. Right. And I mean, yes, there is an adult student population, but the vast majority of the people that we're talking about are young people. They're yeah. people oh, yeah. at or under 20 years uh -huh. old. You know, I mean, uh -huh. these are literally teenagers in many yeah. cases. You know, if, if their professor or their advisor or whatever tells them, you have no options here, they're just going to say, well, I guess I'm just going to have to, you know, deal with it then. Like, exactly. You know, these aren't these aren't 30, 40, 50 year old people who have life experience and, and know know what their options are. And yeah. I mean, look, there are plenty of 30, 40, 50 year olds who don't pay any attention well, yeah. <laughs> and don't explore their options. But I mean, when you're talking about somebody who's 20 years old, yeah. they don't know better. They, they, they just no get told idea. something by an administrator and say, oh, I guess that's it. Uh, right. I they, guess I can just get assaulted at the bar and that's my fault. They might not even know that the school has the option to take this case. Right. 
they right. might think, okay, well, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to tell them, and they're and the school says no, we're not going to take it. And then they, they might think, okay, that's full stop. We can't go yeah. any further. They could potentially fight it and say, no, you. I want you to. T- you have to understand. Like this is what happened, and you know, and that's fine. But how many people are actually going to do that too? Yeah, I mean, go to go to Stony Brook and ask ask those how many of those students know what Title Nine is. Oh yeah, I know. Five percent of them, maybe. I actually wanted to do that. I actually wanted to do like a poll um, and talk to some college-age students yeah. from around and and See, just ask them, "Do you know what Title Nine is?" I didn't. And I guarantee, I guarantee, especially at Stony Brook because it's such an athletic institution, they're going to say it's about athletics because that's yeah. what it originally was. You know, that's what everybody thinks about Title Nine. Right. That you can't be discriminated against when you're coming into an athletic right. um, position. Right. Uh, going on to a sports team, whatever. So a lot of people think that Title IX is only for women in sports. Right. <laughs> that you can't you can't discriminate against a woman who wants to play a particular sport for the institution. That's what a ton of people think it is. Right. So if I asked people, what do you, what is Title IX? Have you heard of Title IX? What is it? Right. I guarantee if they have heard of it, it's just going to be talking about athletics. Right. Hardly anybody actually knows that Title IX is there to help you with any type of discrimination. And they cannot hold it against you if you come forward with an allegation like this. That's what it's protecting you against. Right. But now, it doesn't even seem like it's protecting you. Right. It or seems like it's dismissing you. Right. Right. That's what these new rules are saying. We don't care about what you have to say unless it's under row one, column B, and that's it. Right. We don't cover anything else. Right. We only cover this. This tiny little... You guys can't see me. I'm making really like small <laughs> gestures with my hands. <laughs> It's only for particular things now. Right. When yep. it was so much more broad before. Right. right. And, and and something like that should never get narrower. No! <laughs> like, unless, like I said, again, to play devil's advocate, it's somehow right. bogging the system down, which I very much doubt it's anywhere near that. No. Protection for a young person in distress mm. should never get narrower. No. You know? No. <laughs> no. You know, that's like the Coast Guard saying, you know, we're only going to protect the East Coast. The West Coast, meh, whatever. We have all the ships, we have all the people, but meh. Yeah. We're just not going to protect that coast. Yeah. And then, you know, we're only going to do the Northeast. Right. You know, Florida, whatever. Like, no. Like, protection should never narrow unless you have no choice. (laughs) Right, yes. You know, if half the Coast Guard sinks, all right, maybe they got to, you know, whatever. (laughs) But. Yeah. So, more things that are changing, because we're not done. Right. I didn't think so. Nope. Uh, So, prior to 2020, schools were encouraged by the Department of Education, but not required, to finish investigations within 60 days. Okay. So, encouraged, but not required. Right. So, they can just carry it on forever. Right. And that, that was the prior rule. Right. So. And so it gets worse. Now... There is no specific timeline. Come on. 
There is no specific timeline recommended for schools. Schools are required to include reasonably prompt timeframes in their grievance procedures. Oh, yeah. And can temporarily de delay... They can choose to temporarily delay a procedure for good cause. <laughs> and that could mean because a witness is busy. Right. Right. So we went from a crappy <laughs> rule... To an, in a, an irrelevant and ineffective rule. Completely ineffective I rule. mean, that's literally like telling people, like, hey, you can pay your taxes whenever you want. No one is going to pay their taxes no, ever. Exactly. You're never going to collect a dime. Exactly. So you could come forward with a claim, and you could literally finish at your four-year institution before they actually do anything about it. Right. If they even do anything about it. Right. They could keep delaying. Yeah. Oh well, the witness the witness was busy. the ad, you, The advisor we can't we can't get your advisor today. Um, you know. Oh, you're sick. Oh, that's you know that's fine. We'll 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 hold off. And then it just right. keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. Right. And pushed back. Well, it's back. the beginning of the semester. We have a lot of work to do. And then, yep. well, it's midterms. So we got a lot of work to do. Or it's well, the it's end. Finals. There's a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And then, well, it's the summer. Everyone's gone. <laughs> Boom. Yep. That's it. That's the whole year. That's it. <laughs> and then they just keep, could keep doing yep. that. Yeah. And then eventually everyone except that survivor is going to forget about it. Yep. Yep. It's going to eat away at that survivor. When is my due process yeah. coming? Right. And it may never come. Right. Yeah. It's like the legal appeals process. It can go on for literally years. Yes. Because yes. there's so much red tape. There's so much there's red so tape. There's so much bog. <laughs> All right, lastly, the change. Previously, if the school chose to allow it, they could proceed with investigations anonymously on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, students cannot file an anonymous formal complaint with their Title IX office to begin grievance procedures against an assailant. Did you hear that? They can't anonymously bring a claim. Why? What's the point of that? Come on. However, a student can report to the school to receive a supportive measures outline, like we, we talked about before, without their name being shared with the assailant. So oh, the yeah, assailant cause... doesn't know that the person's coming forward with these allegations, but if that person, if, if the assailant knows that they did the thing to the person, right. they're going to know that 100%. it was that person. Yeah. But that person still has to come forward and tell the school who they are. Right. So they're not protected. Their privacy isn't protected from the school. Right. And what's the point of making it anonymous? Like, or, or making, making it, it not uh, anonymous, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Because if you're going to carry an investigation through, you're going to know who the person is. Mm -hmm. You're going to know who the complainant is because you're going to have to investigate. Okay, well, right. where were you? Yes. When was it? Where was it? They're going to have to know who the person is yes. to investigate it. Yeah. So it's not like you're saying, it's not like I can just run up and say, oh, that guy, you know, he did something bad and then just disappear and let you just investigate his whole life. I'm going to have to say, oh, it was here at this time. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You have to come forward with that information, but... You, they can't bring the claim. Right. Uh, the original claim can't become can't be brought anonymously. Right. So right out the out of the gate, they have to say, "I'm the person who was attacked." Right. By this person. Right. So they can't. They can't come forward and and just you know write out a complaint or whatever and say like you know, 
I was attacked and such and such and signed anonymously. Right. To see if they could even get it to go forward. Right. They have to tell their school who they are. Right. In order for it to even be... To begin. Right. So, none of it is about privacy anymore. None of it. Right. Everything has, has to be out in the open right away. Right. And that also is going to give a lot of fear to these survivors because oh, yeah. they don't want to come forward right away because they don't even know if they're going to be believed again. Right. And now what if it leaks out that it is them? Which it will. Which it will. Like in that in the episode we just did. Yeah. Look at what happened to Marie. Yep. When it leaked. Yep. And yeah, we we know in college campuses even the big ones gossip runs very quickly. Oh yeah. 100%. Very quickly. It, it'll get out. Yes. There's no doubt. Because people, even if people just see you going into the office that these kinds of complaints get filed, they'll say, oh, I saw so-and-so going in there. And then that will spread like wildfire. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like in high school, if you snitched, everyone knew. Oh, every, yeah. Because someone is going to be in the hall when you walk into the principal's office. Yep. They're going to see you go. It's going to, by, by lunchtime, everyone's going to yep. know. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. the person who you're complaining against is going to know, and they're going to be waiting outside your classroom. Yep. Like, I, you know. Yep. Come on. <laughs> yep. And so those are those are the changes that are happening, which is now going to make it even harder for survivors to come forward. But my... One of my biggest gripes with this whole thing is the advisor situation. So as I read before, advisors can be anybody that's selected by the parties. That means it literally can be a parent, a best friend, anybody that they choose. It could be a lawyer. It could be anybody of their choosing. And that person cross-examines the other party. So now you have a survivor sitting on the quote-unquote stand being right. cross-examined by their perpetrator's father. Right. By their perpetrator's best friend, who may or may not have been there when it happened. Right. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And that was my first thought. It was like, it, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> or a lawyer. So, say the family is wealthy enough to hire their attorney to come right. do this. Right. And the accuser, the survivor, is possibly not wealthy enough to get right. their own attorney as their advisor and maybe they got appointed somebody so it's basically like getting a public defender right to fight against johnny cochran right one of the best defense attorneys money could buy right and now that person is cross-examining putting the blame because that's what a cross-examination is about. Right. It's putting the blame on that person on the stand. Right. So that cr that cross-examination is now telling the survivor, we don't believe you. Right. How would you feel if that were your perpetrator's father or, right. or, or mother? Right. Or, or his coach or, or something right. like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that, ridiculous. That bothers me 
so much. That's completely ridiculous. It should just be it should be a, a school staff member who's specifically trained in doing exactly that. Yes. Yes. You know, it should be some kind of trained mediator. Each party should get a school appointed individual to be their advisor. Yeah. Done. Yeah, absolutely. And like schools have advisors. They have an entire department just full of advisors. Yes. If this is Why supposed to be them? fair right. <laughs> and impartial. Right. Then they should be on the same level in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of my biggest biggest gripes with this. I mean, obviously there are so many other things that we, uh, I mean, that's just absurd, but because of this complete injustice and attack on survivors, the ACLU has put forth a lawsuit against Betsy DeVos. The suit explains it will make it, quote, more difficult for victims of sexual harassment and sexual assault to continue their educations. The suit has been filed on behalf of four advocacy groups, including Know Your Nine, Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, Inc., Girls for Gender Equality, and Stop Sexual Assault in Schools. It is seeking to block the new provisions before they go into effect this August. The suit names DeVos, as well as Kenneth Marcus, who is the Education Department's Assistant Secretary for Civil Rights. And something else I didn't mention, in the new regulations, while sexual harassment is um, an umbrella term, the school does not have to um, bring forth any sort of um, Title IX claim on the first offense. They do it on what they deem the most serious offense. So if a perpetrator is literally sexually harassing this girl and sexually harassing this girl and then grabs the butt of this girl he's now moved he's he's escalating but the school may not see any of those things as reason enough to bring forward any claim against him right so if he's escalating and escalating and escalating claims are being cold forward but nothing's actually happening he's thinking in his head oh I can just keep doing this of course and then he ends up raping somebody right oh and now they finally take notice right but you that know, rape could have, could have exactly that rape could have been prevented if you had just done something on that first occasion but they don't have to right that's ridiculous yep. that's ridiculous because again, like like we said, you know there are adult students, but the vast majority of these people are going to be young people. Yes. And again, there are sexual assaults committed against males and oh, yeah. against people of all sexual preferences. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's straight male young adults doing these things. Yes. So of course, if you take somebody who's confident enough, egotistical enough to do these things in the first place, of course they're going to escalate. Mm-hmm. Of course they're going to escalate. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's just look at what happened with Brock Turner. Well, I was thinking that the whole time. He apparently, the entire party was trying to make out with girls. And they were all like, no, 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 no. And then he found an unconscious girl. Right. Figured, well, I can't miss here. Exactly. Which but he was escalating that whole time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you want to hear what DeVos's response to the 
Well, see this? I don't really want to hear it, but I guess that's what we're here for. We can continue to combat sexual misconduct without abandoning values of fairness, presumption of innocence, and due process. Right. She thinks those regulations are we're, fair. Right. And she thinks that's the due process that each survivor deserves to go through. Right. And more importantly, she thinks that these, that the previous um, processes were unfair somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that yeah. they didn't presume innocence. Like, no one here is getting arrested right off the bat. Because <laughs> she's assuming that the earlier regulations were on the side of the survivor and not the side of the perpetrator. Right. She's now flipping the script and she's now giving more to the perpetrator right. than she is the survivor. Right. Which, again, to play devil's advocate, let's say for a moment that we live in some bizarro world where the majority of accusations are false. Okay. Then maybe that needs to happen. Yep. But I'm pretty sure that's not what the statistics are. Again, comment below and let us know. But I'm pretty sure that, like, 90% of these cases plus I, are, are legitimate accusations. I think the majority of us, and I'm going to assume the majority of our listeners are going to agree with us, yeah. that Betsy DeVos has no idea what actually goes on in educational institutions no. and has no idea what statistics are actually out there. Yeah, I'm not sure she knows what the word statistic means. She's right now. But I don't think she looks into this. I, I don't think she understands any of it. Right. She probably didn't even look at what the old regulation was, to right. be honest with you. Right, she was just like, oh, it was the Democratic, you know, party law, you know, it was the Democratic policy, so we're just going to fight it. Because, well, we won't even go down the road. We'll, I, 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 I know, we're I know. We're not going down that road. We're, all, we're already at <laughs> we're already 40, 45 minutes. We're already at a macro-sode. Woo! Well, this isn't a mini-sode. It's oh, just okay. the special topics. Oh, okay. So we can go as long as we want. No, uh, no, really. We're almost done. <laughs> I gotta make dinner, actually. <laughs> gotta eat. Yes. So uh, these are the things that you can do if you are a victim of sexual harassment or abuse that falls under the current Title IX regulations. Know Your Nine suggests you obtain a lawyer. This person will walk you through the steps of how to file your complaint and what to do following the filing. Also, if, unfortunately, if this reg new regulation does go through, um, if you can, you know, try to get a lawyer then too because they'll be able to give you all of the advice that you need in order to actually take the proper steps and go through with it. Um, and you know what? If you have that lawyer and your school's not doing anything about it, take it up a notch and bring it to the cops. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And your lawyer should be there to fight for you and advocate for you. That's what a lawyer is for. They right. are literally an advocate. Right. So take it, take it as far as you need to. And don't right. be afraid to. Yep. Don't be afraid to. You are not alone in this. There are so many people who are sexually harassed on college campuses. Oh, yeah. So many. Oh, yeah. And we don't hear about a lot of them because they don't report it. Right. And in many cases... they're afraid. Yeah. And in many cases, this is just assumed to be just part of the deal. Yes. You know? Yes. Right. It's another, like, boys will be boys kind of thing. Right. Like, exactly. you just assume if you go to a party, oh, I, yeah, he's going to grab her butt. Right. Like, that's not okay. Right. <laughs> Nobody right. should be grabbing anybody's butts. Right. Without permission. Right. No. <laughs> right. 
Uh, know Your Nine also suggests, uh, and this is for anyone, anywhere, to spread the word about Title Nine. Inform your friends, colleagues, peers, neighbors, followers, anyone you can. Put it on your social media. Start talking about it. Start the conversation. Because like we said before, we highly doubt a lot of college students know what Title IX really means and that these are part of Title IX regulations and that you have protections. Get the word out that Title IX is necessary and that we won't stand for the new regulations. So the Know Your Nine website actually has posters that you can print out. Um, so hang them up around your school. There are bulletin boards everywhere on school campuses. Hang them up. Then people will see them and go, oh, hey, what's this? Right. Go to your Title IX office at your school and see if there's a representative there and, and start a rally if you need to. I was going to say that. Actually, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just be heard. And... Even if you're outside, you know, your student activity center and you're shouting as loudly as you possibly can and everybody's just walking by you, they're hearing you. Yep. And something might sink in to some, someone. One of those people that might, that might be walking by maybe was sexually harassed the night before. Maybe was raped the night before. Right. And maybe didn't know. Right. That this existed. And that there's a Title IX office on their campus. Yeah. And maybe because you're shouting that loudly, they're like, oh, I had no idea. Sure. I have protections and I can do something about this. So, you know, what's what's the the saying? You can't start a, um. a snowstorm without a snowflake. No, that's snowflakes. We're snowflakes. That's not what I meant. Uh, can't have an avalanche without a... What is it? I, I don't know. It's something basically saying, like, you can't have a big thing without, without the start a, of the thing. one little thing. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't start a fire without a match. There's, like, a billion of them. Well, there's... You can't I'm start probably saying all of them wrong. There's you can't start a revolution without a voice. Okay, I mean, that's the, like, real one. That's, like, true. Like, I just... I mean, it's one that I have heard in the past. <laughs> that. You cannot start an avalanche without a snowflake. That's true. You can. Yeah, whatever it... it be that... Be that snowflake. You can't build a wall without a brick. Okay. You can't build a hill without some dirt. <laughs> or something else that you can build hills out of. But Exactly, though. We... Sure. we you can't get something going if you're not going to start it, basically. Right. <laughs> so we need more people to, to get this started. And uh, like I said, just post it on your social media. Yeah. There are so many things that I see on there that I, I wouldn't even know were there if I didn't scroll, you know, into the, the search part of my Instagram. I yeah. find out so many things from that. And I mean, it can only result in good things. Like, there's no cons. No. Here. <laughs> there are no cons here. There's no cost here except the two seconds mm -hmm. that it took you to just make a quick post. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm going to post um, these images on our Instagram. So, you know, I would love if people could um, repost. Repost them. Yeah. Just, you know, put them in your stories or, or just repost them onto your uh, onto your feed. Um, just get the word out there that we have 
protections on campus that there should be people there who are advocating for us yeah as students these new rules will undermine everything that sexual assault survivors have gone through are still going through and will go through these new rules will shut out many survivors and not give them a platform to speak on these new rules are unjust cruel and abhorrent these cannot stand and i hope colleges and universities will continue to do their due diligence and allow the process to work as it has prior to these changes i hope these institutions will take accusations seriously at point a and not wait until something extremely harmful happens i hope these institutions believe survivors we believe you if you or someone you know has a story you would like to share on Blackbird, please email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy. And I'm on that Instagram a lot, so like if you want to DM us, if you have an issue that you want to talk about, I can't promise that I can give you like a therapy session because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a therapist, but I can talk to you about anything. I can give you information if you need. I can send you to, you know, wherever you 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 need to go. I'll, I'll, I'll send you websites, phone numbers, whatever it is. So by all means, DM us with questions, concerns, if you just need to talk. Yeah. Hashtag not legal advice, hashtag not medical advice. But we're always here to listen. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> uh, to check out more about Title IX, you can go to knowyour9.org, and that's I-X, the Roman numeral for nine, not nine Arabic right <laughs> all references for this episode will be in the show notes be safe be aware fight for justice and continue to social distance if you can learn meditation that's always a good one yeah find a nice spot no one around for six feet mm. close your eyes Put your earbuds in, listen to something relaxing, and just consider the universe. Yeah. The universe is good. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.